Hello, buenos dias, chingonas, and some chingones, I know you're listening. So, hello, I'm Melly. you're listening to another episode of Chingonas Only Club. But before we jump into the episode, I want to give you guys a little bit of a life update. So, I have been working with a couple of different podcasts and connecting with people since I started my own, and... It's actually my absolute favorite part about doing the podcast is that I've met so many genuine, like-minded people and just kind individuals who have been nice uh, enough to have me on their podcast and we get to talk about other issues that we experienced similarly or like the last podcast I just guessed was a guest on was the Chicas in Class podcast. If you haven't heard them, go check them out. They're on iTunes and Spotify. Again, they're called Chicas in Class. And I was able to do a sit down with them this past weekend and did an episode. And I hope that you guys go check that out when it releases on the 26th. Overall, I'm really enjoying this whole journey. And again, more than anything, just connecting with people. I don't care if an episode gets 20 downloads or 50 or 60 or a thousand at the end of the day it's good enough for me to know that people are connecting with these issues and hopefully they're talking about them not the show or the episode the issues themselves i just wanted to tell you guys that before we moved into today's episode which is uh Chingonas on identity crisis. And that's just going to be me talking to you guys about what it's been like for a first gen immigrant to experience this. So, no trigger warnings here. I don't think that this is a triggering episode. Every now and then I drop an F bomb. So, still watch the little ones if you're listening. Uh, and I apologize in advance. It's not intentional. <laughs> but with that, get ready, get comfortable, and let's dive in. crisis what is it what is my experience with it and why is it that I want to talk about it today so to start identity crisis the definition of it is a period of uncertainty and confusion in which a person's sense of identity becomes insecure typically due to a change in their expected aims or their roles in society why did I want to define that it's because it's obvious that an identity crisis can happen not necessarily because of your just your environment it could be the pressures of your family it can be the pressures of work it can be a lot of different things that can trigger what is what can be identified as an identity crisis so for me I can tell you that I've had a couple <laughs> and most people like to think that they only have one major identity crisis in their life but Honestly, I think that we go through different stages of our lives and that each stage we have an identity crisis, which is why when we go into our teenage years, we're struggling to figure out who the hell we are. And we do the whole angry teenager, the emo kid, the goth kid, the preppy kid, and whatever it is that we're trying to fit in or identify ourselves as is a stage that we're going through as we try to really figure out or lay out our values 
and what it is that we're going to contribute or how we're going to contribute ourselves and our identity into society. And I think that is probably the most common type of identity crisis that we experience. Again, I'm not a doctor. I don't know if this is true. I'm not going to start spewing out facts. This is just my own observations of this topic. For me, I can tell you that my first identity crisis happened when I came to this country. Not the first time, but the second time when I was older, when I was seven years old. My mom brought me back from Mexico after living there a couple of years. And if you guys go back and listen to Chingona's, the first Chingona episode one and two, you'll understand what I'm talking about. But the second time I came to the United States, I was formed, I had formed a sense of identity in terms of where I was, which was I was living in Mexico. I was living with my grandparents. Uh, we had farm animals. We went to school. We were very poor. We worked alongside our grandparents when we were not in school. It was a very tough and difficult life, but it was a happy life. And when I came to the United States, all of that was completely changed because all of a sudden everything that I had grown up doing for the past few years was different. I was going to school with kids who didn't speak Spanish and that my teacher didn't speak Spanish and I was in a classroom where I was the outcast not just in that classroom but it felt like the entire school even though I wasn't the only immigrant child or the only undocumented child, as a seven-year-old, you're not old enough to see the world further than yourself, I don't think. And I felt very alone. And I was constantly trying to change myself, trying to change who I was. And I became this sort of chameleon. And it wasn't intentional. I think that my mom and everybody around me did that over time and they called it assimilation. They said, you got to learn the language. You got to learn how to dress like you're from here. I could no longer dress the way I did back in Mexico because then I would stand out. My hair, I used to, my hair used to be down past my waist. The first thing my mom did when I got here was cut it shorter, not super short, but shorter. I used to wear it in a single braid and I had to stop doing that because people would make fun of me. Uh, just the foods that I ate, I had to learn how to eat different foods and essentially develop a taste for all of these different meals that I just, I wasn't used to. I was used to eating like handmade from scratch, very simple foods to coming here and learning how to eat things like pizza and McDonald's and french fries and burgers at school. That was shocking. That was like a culture shock to me. People standing up and doing the Pledge of Allegiance in class. I didn't know it. I had to learn it. I felt a lot of pressure that I had to do that. And it wasn't because we didn't do that in Mexico. We did that in Mexico at school. But it was the not knowing this Pledge of Allegiance and having to learn it. I had to learn how to say the Pledge of Allegiance before I could even speak English. So I could say the words. I had no idea what they meant not a clue. So that was a little bit stressful, to say the least. Uh, celebrating different holidays, all of these things were, they were a lot for me to take in as a child, but I did it because I had to. And very quickly, I assimilated into this country, into this environment. Uh, and 
didn't realize it at the time, but lost bits and pieces of myself every time that I did this. And as I got older, I continued to do this. Speaking Spanish at home was perfectly normal. And as I got older, as a teenager, I started to feel more embarrassed of who I really was. I started to feel ashamed that I was an undocumented child and that I was embarrassed that people will find out that my parents broke the law and I was scared that people would find out that my parents broke the law. And it was terrifying, which is why I completely just pushed away that other person that was me and fully embraced everything about this culture. And I will say the only reason why I remain connected to it wasn't because I did it intentionally. It was because I had family and I was fortunate enough to grow up around, you know, besides my mom and my brothers, we we had tios and tias who lived near us. And so we still had got to do a lot of those cultural, traditional things that kept us tied to to our country, to our culture. We still had to go to bautizos. We still had parties. We still had the Mexican food. We still had all of the things that Mexican culture is known for. The celebrations and, and the way that we interact with family, that was still there. But it was only at home. Outside of that, I was not that person. And to me, this is something that all first-gen immigrants deal with. If you, your parents brought you when you were here, when you were little, they are constantly hammering in that you need to assimilate so that you can have a better life, so that you can get an education, so that you can do this and this and that, because this is a land of opportunity. And if you don't assimilate, then you're essentially squandering all these things away. And at the same time, they don't want you to lose your culture. They don't want you to forget how to speak Spanish. They don't want you to forget your tias, your tios, your 100,000 cousins. They don't want you to do any of that. So you're almost like serving, it's like serving two masters, right? You have society and you have your family. And at some point, one of them starts to win over the other. And it all depends on the influence that they have on you. Now, for me specifically, my family started to lose over society because I began to reject my family. I started to distance myself from them because honestly, they were not good people. Besides my mom and my brothers, like my other family, I started to realize as I got older that they were just not kind people. And I don't know. I didn't see a need to keep them around. And I lost this connection somehow. And I was excluding myself from these previous celebrations that were very cultural in nature. And I started to really interact with people that were very different from me, which is there's nothing wrong with that. But I started to internalize their values as my own. And I started to want to fit into their cultural norms. I didn't want to, I didn't want to be that person that was always sticking out. And my mom also pushed that into us. You guys can't stand out. You guys can't 
be in the spotlight because if someone finds out your immigration status, then you're going to get deported. So there was a couple of reasons. I wanted to make friends and I also wanted to hide. And I wanted to get to know people, but only to a certain degree. And it was very confusing, honestly, as a teenager to go through all of that. But I think all first-gen immigrant kids go through that. As adults, though, we go through it. You don't have to be a first-gen immigrant to go through it. As adults, I think we go through it as we assimilate into the workforce and enter society because we realize that we have to, what is it called, code switch? We have to code switch so that we can fit in because we find quickly that being ourselves is often not the way to fit in and it sounds awful because it is and we internalize that issue as our own we make it into a me thing like this is something that's my problem i have to fix it and at no point do we stop and say this is their fucking problem if this organization can't take me as i am then it's their problem because at the end of the day we have to put food on the table you have to go you enter even if, say, not entering society in the workforce, but like even going to college, you have to fit in so that you can network, so that you can get ahead and actually finish. Otherwise, you're on your own and you struggle a lot more. And it almost becomes like a survival mechanism when you start code switching and you don't realize that what's happening to you is that you're losing your own identity because you're so busy adopting everybody else's. And... I can tell you that when I was 19, I went back to Mexico. The exact same thing happened in reverse because all of a sudden I was living in Mexico. I lived there for two years from 19 to 21. And I was there and I had to all of a sudden unlearn all of the things that I learned as I posed because I was posing as an American citizen and relearn what it was like to be a Mexican citizen for the two years that I was there and why you might think that it's easy and that it's not that big a deal. It is because I had to relearn customs, traditions, culture, inter- how to interact with people, things that, you know, you just don't think about if you've never experienced a culture other than your own. You just don't think about it. And while I was born there and that's where the culture that I was born into, I will tell you that it was easier to revert back than it was to assimilate into American culture. But it was still really hard because I was judged pretty harshly. I can tell you that family members that I interacted with in Mexico always had a problem with the way I spoke Spanish. You know, they had a problem with the way I ate, with the way I didn't eat, if I didn't like certain foods, if I didn't like things to be too spicy, if I didn't want to eat tortillas with all my meals, (laughs) like everything became a almost like a giveaway that you were not from there. And it was a constant battle of what it was that I was allowed to do. So it's traumatizing because you start to think that you're not good enough. So yeah, all of a sudden, all of your behaviors at home, because that was home for me, they're not appropriate. They're not the norm. They're not the thing that people do, the people that are really from there. Even though I was born in Mexico and I went to school in Mexico, I learned how to read and write in Spanish before I ever learned English. 
all of a sudden I found myself not belonging and people didn't understand. People didn't understand why I even wanted to come back to the United States. They were like, why the hell do you want to go back there? That's so dumb. Like you're born here. And they didn't understand that really the biggest part of it was that I had my family. I had my mom, I had my brothers and they were all I had and I wanted to come home to be with them and when I tried to tell them that this is all I knew like this was the country that I grew up in this is where I envisioned my life they didn't understand it and they were pretty harsh with their comments every time they were like you're stupid that's dumb you were born here you can just come back home and you can make a life here it's hard, but you can do it. I don't know why you're trying, why you're suffering in that country. And again, they are speaking because I think now, I didn't know then, I think that they took it as a personal attack, that I was personally rejecting them and that I was personally rejecting their livelihood, their way of life. And I didn't realize at the time, I didn't understand why they were so cruel and so harsh with me and they could not empathize with my struggle. But I also see now that they never could because they never left. They were never put in a position where they had to build a life in a totally different country and entirely just change who they were so that they could fit in. They've never gone through that on multiple occasions at various levels like it's not something that they are familiar with so while I understand and comprehend why they did and said the things that they did at that time it was extremely hurtful and it sucked because the country that I wanted to come home to was rejecting me and the country that I was born in was rejecting me I wasn't good enough for <laughs> for either country and I didn't feel like I belonged in any place, in any, anywhere. And that's really hard. That's really hard even to think about today because I think that something that Latinos do a lot, and I can only speak for Latinos, but speaking to my other friends who are Black or Asian, it's, there's, it's never enough, right? If you're Mexican, you're never going to be Mexican enough. If you're black, you're never going to be black enough. If you're, uh, if I'm an American, which I am now, I'm a naturalized citizen, I'm never going to be American enough. And it's this, this idea that, and these weird standards that we, these invisible like bars that we set for ourselves and we're like, I got to get there. I got to get right there. Even as a mother, I'm never going to be a good enough mother Where's the standard? What is the, like, where are these categories and how do we get there? How do we get to the point where we're like, that's who I need to be. And right now I'm not there. And so I'm not fulfilling my full potential as a insert, whatever role you want to insert. Mother, wife, sister, daughter, student, whatever it is. Um, and that can be pretty devastating if it's, if it goes unchecked for too long. I can tell you that now at 36 years old, I realized that I started going through it about four years ago in 2018. Why in 2018? A lot of things happened in my life in 2018 that were pretty life 
altering things. First and foremost, my baby was born. He's now four. I have three boys. He's my last one. So my last child was born in 2018. And the end of my, not my ability, but my willingness to have more kids came, right? I wasn't going to have any more children than that baby right there. And so that's a big decision, I think, for a woman when you get to a point where you either choose to have children or choose not to have any more children or choose not to have any children. Like that's a big decision. That happened in 2018. I also finished my bachelor's degree in 2018, which I started when I was pregnant with my second baby. And I had previously finished my associate's degree. So that was a big deal for me as an undocumented person to then go back while I was in the military and while I had my children to finish my degree, my associates first, and then took a year off and then went back for my bachelor's. And in 2018, to finally say I finished and graduated, that was a big, big accomplishment for me, a personal accomplishment. And then to my surprise in 2018, I also got promoted to the rank of chief petty officer which was pretty shocking to me just because, I don't know, I just didn't expect it, to be honest. And I it, it just caught me off guard. And it's one of the highlights of any sailor's career is to make chief, the rank of chief petty officer. And I think that having all those wonderful things happening to me all in one year caused me to really reflect and take a look at my life and how far I had come. And realizing that I was still not satisfied and I didn't know why. I had a beautiful family. I had achieved my education, which was the entire reason for my mother bringing us to this country. And I wasn't the only one. My brother also graduated in 2018. My other brother finished his degree a couple years earlier. So like we were, my mom brought undocumented children to this country as an undocumented person herself and all of her children, um, finish their degree in our upstanding citizens of society, if you want to call it. Um, and so it was, why wasn't it enough? And I didn't understand what else it was that I was waiting for. And I realized over time when someone, I think about six months after I found out that I was selected for chief petty officer, we have to do like training to actually achieve the final stages of becoming a chief. And during my training, uh, it's always stressed that only 7% of sailors ever achieve the rank of chief petty officer in the entire Navy. And I was like, oh, that's a pretty good, you know, number. That's a pretty good statistic. And then the more I, I sat on it and thought about it, I asked myself, well, how many of that percentage is women? And of those women, how many of those women are Latinas? To me, that's a valid question, right? Because that's where I find myself. I don't find myself in the 7%. I find myself in those two subcategories. And why it mattered, it's because I realized that although I was part of the 7% and I was part of the women, and I was part of the Latina metrics and statistics, and I don't know what they actually are, by the way. And I was part of this very small statistic, and I had achieved something that many would consider is awesome. 
I realized that I was not representing myself the way I wish to represent myself. That I was not coming forward as the person that I wanted to come forward. I was coming forward as the mask that I had worn for, at that point, 10 years of my naval career so that I could fit in. This mask of a person who will never say no to all this extra work, who will go above and beyond because I felt like I had to prove something to everybody, to society, to my peers, to my boss, to my mom, to my brothers, to my husband. I had to prove something to everybody every single time. And it was exhausting. And at no point did I ever stop in those 10 years and in the entire in my entire journey into adulthood that I ever stop and ask who I actually wanted to be, what I actually wanted to represent what I felt I owed my community and what I felt I owed this country and where did those meet and how could I accomplish those things. And it was really hard because I realized that inadvertently during my assimilation process into the world, into American culture, and then my assimilation process into the military, because that's what it is, I had lost my identity entirely. Yes, I was the the Latina, I was the Mexican chief, and I spoke Spanish, but I wasn't I wasn't really representing my people. I wasn't really representing my culture. I didn't talk about it. I didn't speak up about it. I was this mask. What do they say like in Spanish? They say calladita te ves más bonita, which is you look prettier when you're quiet. I felt like that's how I was. And I fucking hated it because I was tired of being that person. And I struggled with it because I felt a lot of shame and a lot of guilt that I allowed that to happen. And I felt that I had let my community down. My Latinas, my Mexican culture, I had let them down because... What good is representation if you're not representing it in its full-blown beauty? What good is it, right? We, we allow people to take bits and pieces of ourselves and bits and pieces of our culture, and we get mad about it, but how often do we actually do something about it? So I decided that I didn't want to continue to do that. And honestly, it's really hard because you are learning an entire lifetime of behaviors. And it took me from 2018 until now to finally say, hey, I'm ready. I'm ready to go back to where I left off and take back the things that I felt were stripped away from me. And that is take back my culture, take back my language, take back everything that I gave or hid away to fit in because I no longer have a desire to fit in. I no longer have a desire to please anybody. And it is a crisis of identity because I never understood why I was so unhappy. Why was it never enough? It's because I didn't fit in. I didn't fit in and it wasn't because I didn't want to. And people who have never experienced this will tell you, well, you can be your authentic self in this organization. And the fact of the matter is that you cannot, you cannot be your authentic self in the organization that I'm in. And a lot of corporate organizations that I know listeners work in, you can't be your authentic self. 
not fully, not unless you walked in the door being 100% you and they accepted you that way from day one, it's not something that you can just bring up later. It's it's almost impossible. I'm not going to say it's impossible because I'm sure people have done it, but I'm going to say that it's really difficult. And living in an environment like that and working in an environment like that day after day can really take a toll on your mental health. And I feel like that's what it did for me until everything just exploded. And I was like, okay, like I'm done. I've had enough. And I was trying to find an outlet on how the hell am I going to talk about this? How the hell am I going to tell young women and other chingonas that they too can just take control of their own identity and that this is a natural process of really growing into yourself and really figuring out who you are? How can I do that? And honestly, this is this is how I was talking about it, doing this podcast. I may only have a handful of listeners, but I hope that those listeners are talking to other people and they're talking to other people and so on and so forth. And it's like this domino effect. And all of a sudden we have an entire generation of people who know who the fuck they are and they're willing to fight for it. And so identity crisis in first gens is a very real issue. So check on your friends. <laughs> And ask them how they really feel. If you really want to have a good conversation with a friend, an honest conversation, talk to them about this issue and ask them how they feel. I bet you their surprises, their responses will surprise you because it's not something that you considered and they never even thought that you cared. And like I said, it's not just for first gen or immigrants or it happens to all of us, right? I think women have that issue where we want to be a part of We want to fulfill various roles that society has normalized for us. Like you have to be a woman and you have to be a mother and you have to be a wife. And we have these amazing fucking women who are like, I'm not going to have children and I'm not going to marry some dude. I'm going to be independent, badass. And society looks at them like, what the hell are you doing? And they feel pulled in one direction for the thing that they want to do and in the other direction for the thing that society expects them to do. And I will tell you that not all women have the strength and courage to follow what they want. A lot of them will marry and have children because they're pressured into it. And I can tell you that I do think that it happens less often now because you have a lot of badass women who are like, no, girl, go do what you want. If you don't want to have kids, fuck that. Uh, and honestly, honestly, as a mother of three boys, if you don't want to have kids, don't have kids. It is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> like, don't have them. If you want to travel the world and, and, and be yourself and sleep in and do all these things, you go, girl. Go be single. Don't have kids. It's not something that you're going to enjoy if those are the things that you want. Now, you can do it with your children, but you have to have the means for it. And, and quite frankly, like not a lot of people do. Okay, we're not all Kim Kardashian and take our babies, our, our 10 babies and our 10 surrogates and our 20 nannies all around the world. That's not reality. It's reality TV, but not reality. So do you, but really do ask yourself, What did you give up to be the person that you are? And are you happy? And if you're not happy, then that's the issue. That's part of the issue, at least. You have to be authentically true to yourself. And you have to figure out what that means. So, anyway, 
that's my take on the crisis of identity and how I deal with it or how I feel I'm dealing with it currently. So let me know what you guys think. If you guys experience this, let me know in the comments. Write me an email, meli at chingonasonlyclub.com. Follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Chingonas Only Club because there's always a ton of content in there that I'm always posting. And again, just like I said at the top of the episode, don't forget to check out the episode I did with Chicas in Class on July 26th. I'll make sure that I put a reminder on my social media for you guys if you guys want to check that out. I think it was an awesome conversation. And if you want to go back and listen to a previous episode that I posted here on the podcast, List, which is the collab I did with Gen Minority Podcast, the guilt that children feel when we feel like we have to take care of our parents and provide for them. So anyway, that's it for today. I hope you guys have a lovely rest of your week and that's it. Adios.